Welcome to the Assistant to the Physical Therapist podcast, where I cover current topics in my PTA program and break the information down into bite-sized pieces. I'm your host, Tim Ernie. Let's get ready to learn. Hey guys, how's it going? This episode is dedicated toward a cardiopulmonary rehab exam we have coming up. Um, that's on this next Tuesday, and I figured I'd make a podcast dedicated to covering some of the questions and topics in the study guide. The topics we're covering today are cardio, uh, congestive heart failure, the signs and symptoms, heart failure, and the medications, their side effects, and if the patient has that medication, what might you expect to see? And then finally, atrial fibrillation. So we're going to get right into it and touch on congestive heart failure signs and symptoms. So first, when looking at congestive heart failure, we're just gonna go do and do three things. We'll touch on the diagnosis, we'll touch on the signs and symptoms, and then the exam specific information we need to know. Here we go. So heart failure, congestive heart failure, we have acute and chronic heart failure. Now, the difference between acute and chronic is basically, for acute, it's that the symptoms have onset rapidly and the compensatory mechanisms have not kicked in yet. It is not a norm for this body. Um, This could be anything like a um, heart attack or um, basically anything related in that that instance. Um, Now, chronic is when a person has continued to deal with this for an extended period of time. So those compensatory mechanisms have kicked in. Their body has adjusted. They've had to make lifestyle changes in regards to their drugs that they're taking, the different medications. Their diet is changed, and they have activity restrictions, most likely. Um, So you have acute and chronic congestive heart failure. Moving on, if you go on, you can see that congestive heart failure is actually, um, it's normally the result of an ischemic disease. I said that wrong, Um, but it's spelled I-S-C-H-E-M-I-C, ischemic disease, which is a lack of oxygen to tissue, to an organ or tissue. Um, It's a restriction. So this can be anything like atherosclerosis, um, an embolism, deep vein thrombosis, things like that. Um, card, uh, coronary artery disease is another instance of, con- of an ischemic disease where it's, there's that restriction in the blood vessel. And that causes reduced oxygen um, and can work up to congestive heart failure. So we look at this, and congestive heart failure is basically when the one side of the heart or both sides of the heart quit functioning. There's a dysfunction in that. Typically, it's the left side of the heart. So if the left side of the heart starts failing and does not pump the blood. What happens when you have blood not pumping out of the heart? We have to think of the cardiac cycle. 
So the blood flows from the right atrium into the right ventricle, then goes into the pulmonary arteries. After it goes into the pulmonary arteries, it goes to the lungs. After it goes to the lungs, it goes to the right, the left atrium and the left ventricle. And then from that, it goes to the aorta. So if we have left-sided heart failure, which is the left ventricle, and that heart side is not pumping that blood out, then we're going to have an accumulation of fluid in the lungs because that blood is not properly flowing out of the left side where it just come from the lungs. So there's a problem. Um, and so with left-sided congestive heart failure, you have an accumulation of fluid, and that'll affect your breathing and a lot of other things. Now, there's also right-sided heart failure, which is actually called core pulmonale. It's another type of heart failure. Now, I want you to think about this. In the left side, we have the fluid accumulating in the lungs. But if the right side fails, where does the flu fluid accumulate? Think about it. If the right atrium, the right ventricle, stop pumping, where's that blood coming from? And where's that blood going to get backed up? Or where's that fluid going to accumulate? Hopefully you're thinking the body, the peripheral body parts, the organs, because that's what happens. You have this heart failure and the right side stops working, then you're going to have accumulation in the limbs and organs. So now we're going to look at what causes heart failure. There's a lot of different things, and I want you guys to think through why these can cause congestive heart failure. You look at hypertension is one. Heart attacks, myocardial infarctions. Pericarditis, myocarditis, arrhythmias, and lung diseases. We go through hypertension, can think of the increased burden, the pressure in the blood vessels, and how that can put a burden on the different parts of the heart and make them weak and then start failing. Obviously, if you have a heart attack, and depends on which side it is, but if you say you have a heart attack and that happens on the left side of the heart, it's going to produce left-sided heart failure. Um, also, arrhythmias is something if that's a regular reoccurring and strain those muscles. And lung diseases is an interesting thing. Why would this cause congestive heart failure? When you think about it, it's the same kind of instance where you think about the cardiac cycle and how the blood flows from the heart to the lungs. If that blood's not flowing properly and there's lung dysfunction and disease, then there's not going to be a proper exchange of oxygen and it's just going to cascade down and lead to congestive heart failure. Now we get to the meat of the topic. What are the signs and symptoms? This is the thing we need to pay attention for on the exam. So I have six signs and symptoms that are important with congestive heart failure. First is peripheral edema and venous congested congestion of the organs. Now, kind of already talked about this. Um, but this is a big sign and symptom of congestive heart failure. If you have blood pooling in the extremities, if you have the organs being congested with um, venous return and circulation, 
then that's going to be a sign and symptom of congestive heart failure. So basically, everything's backed up with this sign and symptom. The heart's not pumping properly, and that's going to cause things to accumulate and not flow. So this can cause abdominal pain. If you have venous congestion of the organs, that would cause abdominal pain in your um, abdominal area. You have weakness from your peripheral extremities not getting enough blood supply and oxygen. You get that nausea that can go with that as well. So there's that. Peripheral edema is one sign and symptom. Second, you have fatigue and muscular weakness. Now, why would you have fatigue and muscular weakness from congestive heart failure? Well, think about it. You have dyspnea, which is trouble breathing. You have weight gain and a faster resting heart rate from this. Now, all these put together would result in fatigue, right? Because if you don't have enough oxygen coming in, you know how when you um, have trouble breathing, you just get slow and lethargic. It's that same kind of thing. You have weight gain from your metabolism slowing down and a faster resting heart rate because your body needs to adapt to that heart failure and pump that blood more because your heart is not pumping as efficiently as it was before. Imagine having your heart beat 10 beats faster a minute every day. That'd be a really hard on your body. So with that fatigue and muscular weakness, we have that. The muscular weakness, why is that? Well, hopefully you're thinking about the reduced cardiac output, which means less blood flow to the muscles, which means there's a metabolic buildup in those muscles and a reduced amount of oxygen. So we have fatigue and muscular weakness. Moving on, we have trouble breathing dyspnea. And this is dyspnea when you're lying flat, which is called orthopnea. And we have dyspnea upon exertion. Now think about those. Lying flat causes trouble breathing. And then also exertion, exercise, causes trouble breathing. Why would that be? Well, I want you guys to be thinking about how both of those have a type of burden on the heart. Lying flat, you have that pushing down, that pressure of gravity on your heart, which is increases that burden on your lungs and on your heart, on the pumping of the blood, the cardiac cycle, and causes trouble breathing. Exertion, you don't have enough oxygen because, again, the blood's not flowing. With congestive heart failure, everything is not flowing. It's getting backed up. Another sign and symptom is the S3 heart sound, which is basically basically a gallop heart sound. Um, it's a lub-dub-dub kind of thing. Um, and that's something that you would note upon examination, uh, or the PT would note. Fifth, we have a jugular venous distension. That's that vein on your neck that you would see bulge out as they turn their head. You would see that vein, that vein bulge, and that would be a sign of congestive heart failure. And again, think about it. It's kind of related to the backing up of blood. If you have heart failure, then these veins, these arteries are not going to be um, emptying as well into the heart and into the lungs. And finally, the last sign and symptom is kidney failure. 
So there are signs and symptoms that are important to know. I'll go over them again. We got peripheral edema. Everything's backed up. We got fatigue and muscular weakness. We have trouble breathing, dyspnea, lying flat and upon exertion. We have the gallop heart sound. It's called the S3 heart sound. We have jugular venous distension, that vein bulging. And you have kidney failure and the backing up of water and sodium. So that is the congestive heart failure. And we're going to move on now to heart failure and the medications and their side effects. For heart failure medication and the side effects, we're going to look at um, the different medications that a patient may be taking, obviously the side effects, and what you as a PTA should be doing and aware of during therapy sessions. So in the slides that Margie presents, we see a list of different medications. We got Digitalis or Digoxin. Diuretics, which include Lasik and Ferozamide, and ACE inhibitors like Catapril or Endapril. We have beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, more diuretics, vasodilators, and antihypertensives. So starting back at the top, the first one we have, Digitalis or Digoxin. This medication... If you don't know, medica- this medications are really important to know, but I think it's something that comes with experience. So I want you guys to be turning this in your head, thinking about this, and you'll hear these names over and over again once we get into the clinics. Digoxin slows the heart rate, and it helps the heart pump stronger and more efficiently. Now, for congestive heart failure, or heart failure, this be really useful to have as it improves the function of the heart, which is the problem we're having with the heart. The heart's failing. So if we have a medication that stimulates that, that gets that heart to pump stronger and more efficiently, then we're kind of solving that problem. Side effect is it slows the heart rate. Digoxin slows your heart rate. That can be a side effect. So that's something to keep in mind, and we'll get onto that later, but keep that in your mind, that it slows the heart rate down. How are you going to treat that? How are you going to deal with that? Next, we have diuretics, which include medications like Lasik and Ferrosamide. Now, those two medications are kind of, um, they're related to the kidneys in that they help clean out those things within the kidneys. So... Here's the connection that we didn't make earlier. The kidneys are a filter for the blood. It's blood cleaning, basically. So when the heart is failing, that blood's not flowing as well, and you have this pooling in those organs, like we talked about earlier, and that pooling causes a buildup of fluids and materials. And in this case, it's a buildup of sodium. So These medications remove that sodium and takes the water with it. It's a diuretic, so it actually reduces the amount of sodium and water with it. That's why heart failure patients require monitoring on their sodium and their water intake. Because if they have too much of either, it can cause a lot of problems and lead to renal failure, which is a symptom of heart failure. 
You see how this is all connecting, guys? It's coming together. Now we have ACE inhibitors. That's the next one coming up. So we went to digitalis, which includes the digoxin, which slows the heart rate, but it helps it pump more efficiently. Diuretics, which remove that sodium, but it takes the water with it, so it causes dehydration. And you have ACE inhibitors, and this includes medicine like catapril or endopril. And these prevent vasoconstriction. Now think about that. Vasoconstriction. Constriction of blood vessels. Now, what happens when blood vessels constrict? Well, that constriction actually increases blood pressure. Right? So there's another side effect. So far we have dehydration. We have heart rate decreases. We have decreased blood pressure. These medications are good and they accomplish a purpose, but they all have side effects. Moving on, beta blockers. These blunt the heart rate and blood pressure response. So you're not able to regulate the activity. Um, there's a lack of regulation in the heart rate and blood pressure. It's blunted. Calcium channel blockers, next next medicine. This decreases the resting heart rate and blood pressure response. Side effects can include edema, tachycardia, and post-exercise hypotension. Those are a lot of side effects. We have to think about how we can treat these as a PTA. And again, more diuretics are included. Fluid depletion, dehydration, we have that going on. Um, vasodilators. So early, earlier we had a medication that prevents vasoconstriction, right? But now we have a medication that does the same thing in a, in, in, in a sense where it's actually promoting that dilation of those veins. The other one is preventing the constriction. So with a lack of constriction, since it's preventing that, then there is actually um, a decrease of blood pressure. And I misspoke earlier. Those ACE inhibitors would probably cause an increase in blood pressure since it's preventing the vasoconstriction. The vasodilators, those can cause post-exercise hypotension, which is when you've exercised and you stop, your blood pressure starts to go down. And this can cause symptoms like lightheadedness and dizziness, nausea, fatigue, all these things from that medication. Then you have antihypertensives, which can also cause hypotension. So the main things we're dealing with here are um, heart rate, blood pressure, dehydration, edema, um, and post-exercise hypotension. Those are the main things we're dealing with. Now, what do we as PTAs need to do? We have two things. We need to monitor. We need to know what to look for. We need to be looking out for that, those symptoms of dizziness, of nauseousness, of fatigue, of weakness, of incoherency, of confusion, all these different responses. Um, trouble breathing. We need to be looking out for these things and monitoring the patient if we know they're on a medication with these side effects so that we can be preemptive and act accordingly so that nobody gets hurt. So then we need to plan our treatment with regards to that medication. We need to make treatment sessions and exercise and ambulation sessions 
that are appropriate for the patient that won't push them beyond those limits. If they are on a medication that blunts or slows their heart rate or blood pressure, we need to know that they do not have a lot of regulation of the heart rate and blood pressure, and we need to treat that accordingly. If it causes edema, we need to talk to the physician and see if we can even take um, edema control measures. Um, my guess is, I believe that actually a contraindication for somebody with vascular disease or congestive heart failure is um, any sort of edema control, um, like ACE wraps, compression, those things would probably be contraindicated because of the burden it would place on the heart. So there we go, guys. Last thing to take in is it dehydrates them. Let's think about this. We already said decreases the sodium, right? That the medication does that, but it takes the water with it. Fluid is very important in the cardiovascular system as it keeps that blood pressure up and keeps the heart rate normal. So this is very important to remember. Here's the, some things that we need to be paying attention to, guys. So here we are, guys, the last topic that we're going to cover. Atrial fibrillation. Now, if you don't know what atrial fibrillation is, it is a rapid, irregular beat that occurs rather than those normal atrial contractions we get in the heart. This is because we have something called a sinus node within our heart, which conducts the rhythm of the heartbeat. A normal heartbeat has activation in the sinus node that carries to the other atrial areas and the ventricles and causes the blood to flow properly. But in atrial fibrillation, we have this chaotic electrical rhythm that's going from random places in the heart and causes irregular heartbeats instead of a consistent um, lub-dub sound, a consistent beat in the heart. This is really problematic and it causes a lot of different symptoms. It causes fatigue, lightheadedness, dizziness. You can have fainting, you're feeling unwell. People describe it as uh, butterflies and there are fish flopping in their chest. It's very uncomfortable. Um, it's very prevalent in people um, in America and across the world um, and often goes undiagnosed. Uh, the, the waves often can't be conducted to the ventricles and the heart rate is increased so it's between 100 to 160 which is tachycardia so we have this atrial fibrillation and this is a problem for a lot of reasons one it fatigues the heart muscle and can probably lead to other instances of heart failure um, but also one of the higher risks that we see with atrial fibrillation is a f formation of a thrombus um, and dislodgement of a thrombus, which then carries on and can go to the brain, causing a CVA or a stroke. This is a big problem. It's very prevalent among patients who have atrial fibrillation, so it's something we need to be looking out for. Um, if these patients are having these side effects, but like we talked about earlier, are not on medication that causes these side effects, then we need to be looking at this and wondering if they're having atrial fibrillations as well. Um, 
They, you can have adaptation. You can have ways to treat this, which involve a pacemaker. Um, this helps regulate that heartbeat um, and gets that sinus rhythm back in. Remember that word, that you have a sinus node in the right atrium, and that node conducts a current and a signal to the other areas of the heart, making it beat in rhythm, in a sinus rhythm. So there we go. There's atrial fibrillation for you guys. Thank you for listening as always. I hope you have gained value from this episode. Assistant to the Physical Therapist podcast was created to help students learn. But learning requires work. I hope you tune in next time. But until then, stay tough yet tender. Like steak.